All right, so uh, we'll watch and see what the numbers are this afternoon. And uh, you got to think it's going to be yet another bit of gasoline on the fire because we were told last Friday the reason we had to take steps is because our ICU had reached 95% capacity. Um, I, I read there was only 10 ICU beds available in the province heading into a Labor Day long weekend. That's not where you want to be. So we'll see how things went over the Labor Day long weekend. But in the meantime, we can get a first-hand report from on the ground. Dr. Shazma Mathani joins us now. Uh, she's an ER doc at the Royal Alec, which is one of Western Canada's busiest, if not the busiest, ER. Um, doc, thanks so much for your time again this morning. I appreciate it. Good morning, Shay. Thanks for having me. So, give us an update. How did things go this weekend? What was it like down at the ALEC? Oh, it was busy. Um, I worked uh, Friday during the day, Saturday evening, and Sunday evening, and it was um, uh, one of the busier long weekends that we've seen. Lots of um, traumas coming in, lots of COVID as well. Uh, we were we were pretty much running the whole time. It was a very, very busy weekend. So, yeah, I mean, long weekends, we know cases go up. I mean, not cases, but just the number of people that you see because, as you said, people are out and about. So um, in terms of how that affects the way things are operating, when we know that the hospitals are really straining at the seams because of COVID, how does that affect those patients who don't have COVID but are coming in for the typical reasons people do on a long weekend? How does that affect the way that you operate, the way that you as a doctor run that ER and deal with these patients? You know, that's a really great question because I don't think people really um, make that connection of when things are busy with COVID, it it affects every other patient that comes in. And so um, as we're seeing more patients come in who are sick with COVID, it just uh, lowers our resource capacity. Um, More beds get occupied, and that means that anyone that comes in, all comers, are waiting longer. And so we were doing a lot of juggling uh, over the weekend, even just with trying to move things around to get people up to ICU who needed ICU instead of waiting and emerge and taking an eMERGE bed. And so there was lots of juggling and logistical challenges that occurred over the weekend to try to make sure we were seeing everybody as quickly as possible. And all that juggling and all that managing, uh, that also affects the level of care, right? Because you guys are busy doing that uh, when you could be seeing patients. Well, that's just it. I mean, thankfully, we have pretty amazing charge nurses who... um, who are very good at doing that juggling, but it certainly weighs on the minds of everybody, just trying to kind of, you know, seeing that waiting room number grow and, and knowing that we don't have a lot of space to see those patients in it, it takes a big mental toll. And, you know, our, our priority is always to, to see people as efficiently as possible. And, and when those logistical challenges present, it becomes very challenging. Um, I think there's some confusion around these ICU bed numbers. I think people have their own thoughts about what it means. So let's just clarify here. When we see from the province that we've topped... Um, uh, 100 in ICU in Alberta or whatever the number is. What exactly does that mean? That means 100 COVID patients in ICU beds, right? Like that's over and above the usual ICU load. Yeah, that's a really important distinguishing um, point to make is that, uh, you know, if we only have about between 200 and 250 ICU beds total in the province, almost half of those are being occupied by uh, COVID patients. And that's above and beyond the other people who have non-COVID right. um, critical illnesses that need ICU beds. And so that's the challenge that we're seeing right now is that, um, you know, there's this extra pressure on ICU beds above and beyond what's, um, what's typically anticipated. 
and that's what's causing the trouble right now. Um, I, I get questions from people all the time. And I think it's a great question in terms of, you know, when we hear that people are in hospital with COVID, I'm, I'm sure there's differing um, degrees of severity of illness that all these different people have. And some people say, you know what, I'm, I was considered in a hospital with COVID. I went and they assessed me and told me to go home and rest. So let's just walk through it. Like when somebody shows up in the ER with COVID, what is the treatment pro- protocol or the assessment protocol? Like what does, what happens when a COVID patient presents in your ER? For sure. So um, really, we treat them like any other assessment, um, kind of standard assessment of a patient, right? And so we see them, we might know uh, when they come in that they already are COVID positive because they've had a swab previously. And so they tell us or we can look it up knowing that they're COVID positive. And typically, they're coming in with worsening symptoms. And so whether that be um, worsening shortness of breath, trouble breathing, a lot of people lately are presenting with gastrointestinal symptoms, so lots of vomiting and diarrhea with COVID. Um, and so we assess them, we, we look at their vital signs, and we basically decide in that moment, um, uh, after doing some tests and, and monitoring them, whether they can go home and safely kind of um, monitor themselves at home, or whether there's something that's pushing them over the edge that requires them being admitted to hospital, so staying in hospital, not just being discharged home. And so the numbers that we're seeing that are being reported, it's not just people that present to hospital or to the emergency department with COVID and get sent home. It's the people that are actually sick enough to be admitted to hospital and stay. Okay, so that number, hospitalized, you must be admitted to be considered in that count. That's correct, yeah. So the, the number of people coming to hospital, so coming to the emergency department with COVID is above that, right? Because there are people that will get sent home um, to have ongoing, like, kind of continuous monitoring of their symptoms at home by themselves. Uh, but the people that are, are, are sicker need to be admitted to hospital, and those are the numbers that, are, that we're hearing being gotcha. reported. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this steady march. The numbers go up, and we all see, we all see where this is going, Doc. We, I mean, it's it's inevitable. We've been through this three times before, um, mm-hmm. and we always, you know, people always say, well, "Why don't we just expand the healthcare system? Why don't we just, you know, why aren't we ready for this? This is the fourth time." Um, what kind of things go on in that hospital? Seeing this wave approaching, um, there's only so much you can do. I understand that, um, but what kind of things are being done? So, I mean, first to answer uh, answer your first question, I mean, it's not just as simple as just expanding capacity and making more beds, right. um, because you need people, right? And and we're are, we're seeing that uh, at the same time as this fourth wave is happening, we're also seeing a staffing crunch, and so there are two opposing forces uh, that are happening here, where we, you know, would love to be able to expand capacity to accommodate this extra wave of, of sick COVID patients, but. Staffing right now is the limiting factor because everybody is just so burnt out and done after a year and a half of this. Um, so that's that's the one thing that we, it's not just as simple as increasing capacity. Uh, that takes it's a lot of moving parts and, and more um, specifically, it's, it's staffing that's a big mm-hmm. determinant of that. Um, and then in terms of what we're kind of seeing uh, to try our best to accommodate this, I mean, there's lots of movement uh, from an ICU perspective, uh, moving people around the province, which is really not a normal behavior. Um, that we typically see. And so trying to kind of, uh, you know, people who normally would go to Edmonton from the north part of the province uh, are, um, we've had situations where they're actually going to Calgary for an ICU bed instead because there's no capacity in Edmonton. So lots and lots of moving around the province. So people being farther away from their families and farther away from home when they need an ICU bed. Um, And then within the non-ICU patients, even just, you know, people are waiting down in the emergency department longer before they move upstairs to be admitted because again, it's just so stretch thin upstairs, we're opening more COVID units. Um, you know, the, the, the concern that we have, and I think that um, it's inevitable, is that we're, we're going to be talking about this triaging protocol again, right? Yep. The one yep. that um, was discussed back during the third wave. 
because we're, we're certainly getting pretty tight for resources um, right now. And we have to remember that um, one, of the, one of the kind of first steps of that triaging protocol is, is to start approaching ICU as more of a provincial, um, provincial view. And so we're already kind of moving towards that right now. So just if there's a bed available in, I don't know, Lethbridge, and you're in Edmonton and you need that ICU bed, you're going to Lethbridge. Just take advantage yeah, of what's available. Exactly. And typically it's the other way around. It's more um, uh, parts of rural Alberta that yeah. are coming into the to, into the big centers. But even, you know, like I said, you know, someone from Edson would typically go to Edmonton. And, right. and we were seeing uh, people from Edson were actually going to Calgary instead just because of how tight things were uh, a couple weeks or uh, last weekend. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what it's like working in, a, in an ER right now, Doc, and uh, I really, really appreciate you taking 10 minutes to chat with us every once in a while and give us an update. Uh, I know you're going through it, and uh, thank you for the for the work that you're doing, and uh, keep it up as long as you can. I don't know how you do it, but I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Appreciate yeah, you it. Bet. That is uh, Dr. Shazma Mathani, who is an ER doc at the Royal Alec, and uh, I love having her on because I think that firsthand... Um, just the factual account. This is what happened this weekend. This is where we are. This is what we're doing. This is how we treat patients. Um, I think, you know, we hear the numbers and we see the numbers and ICU is at 95 and hospitalizations are at 250 or, or whatever the number is. And we sort of say, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? And um, I, I can't thank Dr. Mathani enough for coming in uh, every once in a while and saying, well, this is what it means. This is the situation you may face when you show up in hospital.